And with that, we welcome you into to what is a big day for us, Andy. This is our first edition doing a mock draft for the New York football Giants as we are just about a month away from free agency and then another month out from the NFL draft. This is the time where I say something very nice about Dave Gettleman, that being a GM and having to work the numbers in free agency and then figure out exactly what you want to do in the draft is actually pretty difficult. I don't know if that was the sense you got, Adam. You talk about the draft class, right? Just knowing and having an awareness of what some of these positional players are and relatively what the drop-off is when you move from round to round and then evaluating, well, he's not as good of a talent, but obviously he's not going to be as good a talent in the fourth round. Is he still good enough to take? Do I bother taking him here? And I can just picture that idea. They talk about the way organizations are constructed and getting into the war room on draft day. I can't imagine the, the amount of information that you're trying to disseminate through on draft day when you have a limited amount of time to make your selection and wanting to make the best possible choice for your team, obviously. So, Well, and, and the other thing that I think uh, I realize as we go through this, especially on the free agency side is, um, you know, as, as you know, the listeners will hear, we have to take some different liberties and just assume that these players are actually going to want to come to the Giants. I think, you know, that's, that's also another key component of this for actual general managers is they don't just get to, t- you know, go to the grocery store and, and pick out whatever's on sale and, and they get to bring it home. These players have to want to move their families, want the opportunity to compete, or, you know, they want to play for a contender. So not every single free agent that's available, even if you paid them the most money, is going to want to go to your team. Yes. So, you know, as we start to, to dive into this, basically, the way that Andy and I approach this, we used a fanspeak.com to run our mock draft scenarios. We ran off of the big board uh, from Bleacher Report. So just that we had, you know, even things going across, because obviously, even right now, depending on what source you utilize, you're also going to get some different rankings and team needs along those lines. So you can you can go on to Bleacher Report and see kind of where they stand. And as we work through these mock drafts, we'll obviously update our information, and we're going to sprinkle in ultimately what we think the team should be doing at these given picks. But to set up the draft, we went ahead and took a look at free agency, as we said, about a month out. And rather than say, we know the Giants have about 60 million that can balloon up to over 80 million. We don't think that the Giants are going to spend everything in free agency. And rather than get two in the weeds on it, we both just decided to say, here's a couple of the key pieces that we think the Giants are going to pick up in free agency. And then each of us went ahead and approached the draft as if we've addressed X need in on the free agent market. And then we're trying to, of course, build out the rest of our roster through the draft. So for, for you, Andy, why don't you go ahead and touch on the one or two pieces that you went ahead and marked down for the Giants as being key assets to attack in the free agency period before we head into the draft? Yeah, I think one of the – if you look at any Giants fan site, any scout – analysis uh, of what the Giants need there's a few glaring needs and uh, you know just just off the top I'd say our offensive line predominantly the offensive tackle position is is a is an area of focus Uh, cornerback after trading Janoris Jenkins is clearly uh, a place that we're going to need to to add some during free agency in the draft Uh, and you know the biggest one is an edge rusher Um, Mm. while we have a surplus of defensive linemen um, you know, with Marcus Golden even on the free agent market, we, we don't have very many people under contract that can rush the, the, the quarterback. So for me, I kind of started looking in those areas with, you know, linebacker and wide receiver as some of the other places that I think, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman's going to have to think about replenishing through free agency and the draft. And, you know, likewise, as everyone knows, and I've had these conversations on the podcast, uh, I believe that offensive line is obviously a big area of need. But I think I, I, I probably assume that you and I are similar in this approach that while I may want to see the Giants bring in Conklin, I also am evaluating this in terms of saying we know this is a really deep draft class at the offensive line position as well. So when I go to free agency, I have to think about the needs and then also where are we going to end up in the draft and how can, I, how can I fulfill those needs as well. One of the other things that we should mention is for this particular mock draft, we're going to touch on it at the back end of it in terms of possible trade down scenarios. But our main focus is going to be saying Giants stand pat at four and where do they go at the fourth overall pick. And then we're going to walk our way through the second and third round. And then as a little bonus, we're going to throw in that fourth round selection because it's so close to where our compensatory pick will fall. So 
you know, you go into the free agency market, uh, Andy, you know that, that they're going to attack some of these needs. Is there a particular name that jumps out to you when you're talking about the edge rusher or the cornerback scenario? Where, where did you go as your Giants pick up first day, the first day of free agency hits? They sign the contract. Yeah, the, to me, it, it's clear cut that uh, the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars, Yannick Ngakwe, is, mm-hmm. is the guy. He is the guy. Every single Giant fan uh, has been talking about it for the last couple of months. Uh, he's even posted a few uh, Instagram photos of, of him in, in Giant Stadium. He's posted a couple of things about nothing's better than New York. So either he's really kind of using the New York Giants as a little bit of leverage to get the, as much as he can out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he tr- truly would love to be a Giant if we can make it work. I, I said something like, you know, four-year, $17 million a year is probably mm-hmm. – around the range that I think, you know, probably with about 50, 50 million in guaranteed money. So my big expenditure right out of the gate and most expensive free agent would be Yannick Ngakwe to start getting some pressure on the quarterback. And, and I looked around the same kind of area, obviously, with the chatter that we're hearing right now. The other, the other piece that I looked at, especially when you talked about, we had these discussions around that fourth overall pick, and I brought up Okuda as just being the clear-cut best cornerback that you're going to get in this draft, but also, again, understanding is that really the, is that is that one of the top two or three needs when we look at the New York Giants and what they should be looking to get in the draft, especially at the top end there, if we're not talking about trade down opportunities? And because of that, on the free agency market, I think Ngakwe is obviously the big name, gives you a big leap forward in terms of securing a need on the edge for the Giants. I also look at a player like Bradbury out there in Carolina. He's 27 years old, plays the cornerback position, and I think much like we said, when you talk about the depth of the position, if you're not going Okuda in the draft, whoever you are, then you're taking a big step down when you get into the second and third rounds. And I don't think that the Giants would be necessarily looking to address that need at those points. So for me, I think another name would be a guy like Bradbury. You're going to end up paying him probably in the neighborhood of a similar to an Ngakwe kind of contract on the lower end, get him closer to 15, but he's one of the top two or three available players at the position on the free agency market. And when you go inside his numbers as well, and you take a look at his tape, one of the things that he did really well was playing against the number ones on other teams and being able to hold up against them. So uh, I, I think, as we had said, we name a couple of big bodies. We can kind of actually go into this draft and say, because I had some other thoughts out there just to, to give it to the people. Obviously, Corey Littleton would be a name to consider at the linebacker position, given his coverage versatility for the Giants would fill a big need there as well. But I think we can move into our mock draft scenarios, assuming that, let's say, the Giants go out into free agency. They're two big splashes because they have the available cap space to do so, and this still is only going to put them in or around $30 million. Uh, in terms of what they'll utilize for these players. Let's say they get Bradbury, and then they also get Ngakwe. So now we know that they've addressed two areas of need, and I think reasonable to say that they can do so, because we don't expect them to use a ton of their cap room, but they will address something, right? Yeah, and and Adam, to to make Bradbury even more attractive, he's actually 26. He won't be 27 until the season starts. So he Mm -hmm. is super young. He obviously comes from Carolina, all the Carolina connections that we know with Dave Gettleman. Uh, is already there. Uh, much like Ngakwe, there is a lot of speculation and talk that he could be franchise tag, which probably makes sense for the Panthers to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Not so much on Ngakwe with the Jaguars because they are really cap, cap strapped, uh, strapped right now. What I, what I will say is I kind of came up with some alternatives. Let's say that, uh, you know, James Bradbury gets franchise tagged and we can't do anything with him. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy that I think is interesting is Ronald Darby, uh, the cornerback of the Eagles. He's 26 years old, he's coming off one of the worst years a cornerback could ever have. <laughs> but he was a highly productive player. He was a highly productive player before that. And the question is, is it an outlier? You know, what's, what's going on with him? You know, a lot of speculation is, is that he's not going to get the big contract he wants. So if you could get him on a one-year, say, $10 million deal where he wants to, you know, reset the market for himself back in, you know, in next year's free agency, mm-hmm. then you kind of have that contingency or fallback plan to fill an area of need on a short-term contract to give you that flexibility. 
Yeah, and I think that it makes a lot of sense too, because again, that's that, that that variable. What are the teams that maybe have the opportunity to franchise tag or bring back players outright on larger contracts? What is your secondary move going to be? So, I, you know what? It, that's not a terrible way to look at it, especially if you're thinking Giants getting Dockway, you bring in a guy like Darby just to see what he has. You're not saying he's coming in to be your shutdown corner. You're saying, let's get this body into the room and allow ourselves to have a little more depth at the position. You know, likewise, although the price tag area on this player is going to be interesting, uh, we've talked about how Joe Judge obviously comes out of the New England Patriots tree. There's a lot of players that are going to be free agents there, some on the older side where you may say even if they are a quality player, you'd rather them, uh, that is, the Giants go younger. A, a guy like Van Noy at the linebacker position, 27 years old, has the ties there. Now, he signed a two-year deal extension uh, with the Patriots going back a couple of seasons. And now he's come out and said he's looking to get a payday. So I don't know if it works out from a dollar standpoint where you end up getting into not the similar numbers when we had had that discussion about Leonard Williams and him coming back, 15 million, you know, maybe even a little bit more for Van Noy because he's looking for that payday. I don't know if the value is there, but depending on how the market plays out, that would be the opportunity where, again, maybe you're thinking about Littleton, but you end up locking into Ngakwe. Now you still want to bring in value and quality at another position. Van Noy would be someone who obviously has familiarity with Judge. And again, though, my sticking point is going to be, is going to be price here. If you can get him down a little bit underneath that $15 million mark, then I think he's worth it to bring in just so that you have a little bit of versatility and stability before you head into the draft. Well, well, I was thinking the same thing. I am just so worried about Van Noy splits from with New England and when he was not with New England in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, what his sack numbers were, what his pressures were, and just the overall type of player he was between, uh, I believe it was Cleveland, uh, prior to that. So he kind of concerned me a little bit. And knowing that he might get too rich for, for the Giants' blood at, at over $15 because he does want to get paid, yeah. A name that could be a good bridge, you know, if we look to draft somebody, uh, you know, in, in the the draft upcoming, would be Danny Trevathan of the Chicago Bears. So mm -hmm. Danny Trevathan is thirty years old. He's he's a uh, you know the, the Mike. He's he's the single caller in the middle. They absolutely love him, uh, but but he had a couple injuries this year, and they had two guys come in and fill in admirably for Chicago. And so the Bears are probably going to be thinking they can replace him, you know, with, with a cheaper, younger option. So if we look at someone like Danny Trevathan and can do, you know, three years at $9 million, $9 million a year, you're, you know, kind of recouping the money that you, you're going to probably save by releasing Alec Ogletree. And you have a leader in the middle of the field that has to prove things after having an injury riddled year. Yeah, and, and I think in a, in a scenario like that, you know, the 30 years old, the three-year deal, that's really usually like a one-year deal, right, with a lot of right. money that you can move off from. So it's not, a bad, it's not a bad thought to go that route just so, again, you have a veteran player there. And I think as we, as we prepare to move in towards our, our mock drafts and see where we both play out, the nice thing about this is when, even when if you talk about, say, the Giants bringing in Gakwe, even say if they brought in Conklin, if they brought in Littleton, you know, one or two of these pieces came in, even a Bradbury, even in that scenario, you still go into the draft knowing. So say you, say you get Ngakwe. It doesn't mean that the draft, if you come up in the second or third round, you might not still want to take a look at an edge rusher because it's about building out that defense. Even if you get Littleton, you're still going to want to get a linebacker that's going to have maybe flexibility or versatility inside to outside. Maybe you want to get someone else that's stronger in run defense to complement Littleton. So the nice thing about this is no matter how we slice it, you know, from a perspective standpoint between Andy and myself, you still get to go in the draft. And this is a bit of a, it, it, it's a knife that kind of feels good because the poke is the Giants have so many needs, right? And so many holes to fill that no matter what you do in free agency, you still got to kind of get to go into this draft and say, what's the best fit for us? What fills a hole? What's a quality player for us that we can continue to build this roster out around? going into the next season that's exactly the approach adam it's not necessarily because you sign in Gakwe that you don't you don't quote unquote need an edge rusher or a pass rusher every team needs to get pressure onto the quarterback it just means that you're not acting as desperate where you may need to reach for someone mm -hmm. in a round you know that that you see a lot of best player available just sitting on the board filling another area so I, that's exactly kind of how I approached it as well. So while we may get Ngakwe, or like you said, you, you really you know, like the idea of bringing in Conklin, it doesn't mean that we still don't need to get more quality players at those positions.
You better believe it. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, the New York football giants are on the clock in the first round at the fourth overall pick. Gentlemen, twiddles his thumbs, talks about being in full bloom love. He heads up to the podium, Andy, and for you in the first round at the fourth overall pick, where do the Giants go? And if you want, obviously, you can include maybe who came off the board prior, but I think a lot of those names are fairly set in stone, it feels like, from one to three. But who do the Giants announce? So they will announce with the fourth overall pick that they will be taking Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from University of Georgia. Andrew Thomas is six foot five, 320 pounds. He plays left tackle in the SEC. He has been successful. He is everything that the Giants need on their offensive line and don't have today. Now, when you talked about who was there, who left, there's a lot of rumors flying around about people wanting to trade up for quarterbacks and, and this and that. Uh, it went pretty much the way that we thought uh, early on, where Joe Burrow goes first, um, you know, Chase uh, uh, Young. Chase Young, sorry, yeah, Chase Young get, get goes in, in, with the second or third pick. The, you know, the latest speculation is that the Lions want to move off of uh, off of Matt Stafford, but they may just go Okuda just to be able to replace Darius Slay, who's unhappy about his contract. So, while I love Tristan Wirfs, and he's one of my favorite guys, it, there's just something to be said about Andrew Thomas already playing left tackle in the SEC, whereas Wirfs would have to move over from right tackle to play left which just adds that slight little variance in there that I feel more comfortable taking Thomas. No, and, and it makes a ton of sense. You know, likewise, as I walk through this, Burrow seems to be that consensus. We obviously know some of those swirling rumors about what could happen at two or three. Uh, typically, we saw, and I saw, Chase Young get, get off the board there at two. Been a little bit of things, like you said, Okuda there at three, possibly. Also saw defensive lineman Brown in a lot of these mock scenarios, him sneaking up to that third pick overall. And you can just imagine how that can kind of start to shift things and play a little bit with what some teams either want to do as you move through the rest of the top 10 or what they all of a sudden realize they can possibly go get because now someone else makes a little bit of a different selection than they anticipate. Uh, that being said, when the Giants go up to the podium for me, Again, as I said, you know, talked a lot about Conklin in that free agency market. But for me, when it comes to free agency, I look out there and say the Giants can fill some needs. We mentioned that in Gakway, even if they maybe want to go after Littleton or a cornerback to build it out. I also go offensive tackle, but I'm actually going to go a little bit different than where Andy headed. And I'm going ahead and having the Giants select Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle out of Alabama. This is a 6'5 body, 320 pounds, and he's a player that is big, strong, athletic, and he can easily move on the edges and be a plug-and-play starter at the NFL level, as you would assume any of these players at the top of the draft are going to be. Now, he played right tackle for the Crimson Tide, but all of the scouts say that this is a guy that has all the skill set, athleticism, and body to be able to play at either tackle position. So, you know, this is a guy that's been rising up the draft boards for me, and we've seen some fluctuation uh, with Andrew Thomas. You mentioned Wirfs there, right? He's kind of more in and around that 10th overall pick, depending on how things break. And I think, ultimately, this is going to be the selection that the Giants end up making, because by the time we get to draft day, I think it's going to be a neck-and-neck -neck selection about who the Giants want to go with, and they believe that this is the guy that can come in and plug in and be an immediate starter for them on the offensive line. I wouldn't begrudge the Giants if they made that pick. I think we're kind of splitting hairs uh, on which offensive tackle. The general consensus is there's roughly four offensive tackles mm -hmm. that could potentially go in the top 15 with uh, Becton from, from Louisville being uh, the last one uh, of the group. I've seen them all kind of be flip-flopped depending on, on what your preference is, but I, I think we're both in, on the same spot where there's just so much that happens with the offensive line that – regardless even if we bring in Con someone like Conklin or sure things up on the other side it's just this is too important for us to miss on yeah and you again you think about that idea of if the Giants went with Conklin in free agency and then all of a sudden you draft this is how the draft plays out where you draft Thomas or Wills you know bang right plug in one of these young players plugs into the left tackle position we obviously know there's things to figure out with Nate Soldier and you would assume this resolves it in a lot of ways uh but you certainly would all of a sudden come out of the free agency period and the first pick of the draft and say okay 
look how we've already solidified and started to turn things over for our offensive line in front of, obviously, our second-year quarterback in Daniel Jones, ahead of Saquon Barkley, and all the things that you want to accomplish. So for all of my blustering in and around Conklin, I still think that the best value for the Giants at the fourth overall pick if they are to stay there, is going to be offensive line. You need to get some of this incredible talent that is available to you in a very offensive line rich year, especially the top end of the draft. And the Giants do exactly that. And, and we both, like I said, we both agree. And maybe just a different name that gets pulled there. But I think either player is going to be quality. Now, Adam, uh, quick question for you. So we both Certainly. feel that offensive tackle is, is, is the way to go at number four. But there is a lot of chatter about the Giants trading back. Now, I think both of us have, have looked at some different scenarios. And trading back anywhere from the 8 to 10 to 12 range seems relatively appealing. Mm-hmm. In, in you kind of looking at this process, was there a trade partner that you identified that you kind of said, this makes a lot of sense for both teams where the Giants can accumulate assets and that team can move up to be able to get that impact player they're looking for? Yeah, listen, there's, there's a handful of them that really work. Now, what I, what I went ahead and did when over on uh, Fanspeak was I just kept running it, the start of the draft, over and over and over again and saying we're willing to trade, we're willing to trade, and seeing what the offers were going to be. A lot of teams pop up in there and talk about – now, one of the most frequent was actually Tampa Bay came up there a number of times. You know, they have uh, Humphreys, who most likely won't be back with them at the tackle position. Atlanta a couple of times there. Indianapolis, the Jets. These are all teams that are involved there. There's obviously also the two big ones when you think about in terms of the biggest haul that you could get, and that would be the Jaguars and then, off, and then also the Las Vegas, the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, because they both have multiple first-round picks. Now, you had talked a little bit about that. I'll let you touch on the Jaguars end of it because you were having some of those scenarios when you were running through it. The, the Raiders side of it, because you go back and you end up at 12 and 19, that's a nice grouping where you still probably have then the, the flexibility to say, do we want to pick at 12 and then maybe look to trade down again at 19, depending on what the pool of players is available there. For me, though, I kind of stayed away from those a little bit because that sounds like a pretty rich – you know, choice that you're making and also where you end up at, at 12 and 19, you're falling out of the key crop in terms of offensive tackles. So I ended up seeing the Cleveland Browns at the 10th overall pick. They're willing to come to the New York football giants on draft day. They want to trade up to number four because they're looking for an offensive tackle as well. And they're going to go ahead and throw in two third round selections, as well as a seventh round pick to get from 10 to four and make their choice at the offensive line. And the reason why that's so appealing is that I think at 10, you're still going to get to make that choice of one of these offensive tackles. Now, you may end up with, quote-unquote, being stuck with Wirfs. That's still a great pick to be able to make there. You may end up with Becton, still perfectly happy with that, right? We can split hairs about if maybe Wills and Thomas are kind of that, that slightly at a better edge there at the position. But I think that if you could drop back to 10, grab yourself an additional couple picks in the third round where we know we lost something in the letter William trade and we're only going to have our compensatory pick uh, to make that selection after our Landon Collins trade away. So now you fill in yourself at quality rounds, third round, where you can expect to get quality impact players and you still get to get an offensive tackle. I love that. And as you said before, Adam, I did and ran some of the same scenarios and I was working uh, the team that popping up was the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have yeah. quite a few different needs to, to be able to move up, and they have the assets post-Jalen Ramsey trade to be able to do so. So in this scenario, the Jaguars would move up from the ninth pick, and, and to be able to move up five spots, they would give the Giants their additional first-round pick, which is number 20 in the draft. Now, when I looked at that and I saw who was available at 20, that brings a lot of different players into play. It brings Grant Delpit, the LSU safety, into play if we want to short things up alongside Jabril Peppers. It brings DJ Henderson, the cornerback from Florida, in play. You know, T. Higgins, the wide receiver um, from, from Clemson. A lot of areas of need, but I tend to agree with you. I think I, I'm not as, as excited kind of trading back five spots to be able to get one player in the back of the first round. I'm more excited to accumulate more picks because – as we've gone through this, the first 100 players, there are a ton of quality players in that second and third round. I just would want to accumulate as many assets as possible to try to get younger and get more of these players in. 
Yeah, and that's really, I think, you know, we're, we're running through this draft, again, as if the Giants stay pat. We're going to feather in some of these discussions, and you could hear, if the Giants were to make that Cleveland trade, all of a sudden that third round will highlight where that can kind of end up showing so much flexibility in terms of filling these needs. And, you know, and we won't touch on this too much once we get into those later rounds, but there is also the scenario of a trade down early for the Giants to get some third-round assets. Then all of a sudden, if you address needs there with three selections in the third round, now you can go ahead and take a look at that early fourth round pick and think, well, that's a movable asset if somebody wants to come up. And you can, again, pad out a few more assets in the fourth round, grab yourself an extra fifth potentially. Remember, the Giants are going to have back-end options with three selections in the seventh round that may pair up nicely with a fifth to get yourself into the fourth round and make some of these couple of key selections that you may want. So uh, again, you can, you can kind of see Andy and I are both nodding at the fact that trade down scenarios should very much be on the table for the giants. And as we work through, once we go from our second round selection, then we'll get into that third round and I'll have some, some scenarios that I think play out for the giants very nicely. Uh, well, speaking about that second round pick, Adam, yes, sir. second round, you have gone with an offensive tackle from Alabama in the first second round 36 pick giants are up again assuming no trades out of the first round dave gettleman goes to the stage and says what he walks up there my friend and i ran through this multiple times just want to confirm that this is a possibility this is how things could play out for the new york football giants it came up enough times that that i feel like this is realistic come up 36 overall pick the New York football giants, I had them going to Bama for Wills at the offensive tackle. They touch, they touch right back into that talent pool. Xavier McKinney is out there and available at the safety position, and this is a player that the Giants cannot afford to pass up on. We mentioned this when we were talking about the draft day scenario and saying filling needs and also about seeing what the talent level is available when you come up on the draft board and saying this is too good to pass up. And for me, when you take a look at a player like this who has all of the ability in the world to play down inside the box, has the athleticism, has the size and strength, you just mentioned it before, pairing up with Peppers, right? We like Julian Love. We think that he can be talented. But you think about some of those scenarios, versatile players, having enough talent on your team to show different looks defensively. I want to be able to mix and match on a, on a play-to-play scenario where if it's a third and long, how, what are the horses that I want to have out there to best impact the opposing offense? And for me, man, I'd love to get your feedback on it, but I think this is a, this is a can't miss. If he comes up there at, at the top of that second round, you have to jump up and just be excited as all heck to get up to the podium to announce that name because, again, it fills a need. It's probably one of the top four needs that you'd say the Giants have here. And if we're playing off of our free agency scenario, remember, we've addressed edge rusher. We've talked about feathering in some linebacker as well there. So now we plug in another valuable asset on the defensive side of the ball in McKinney out of Bama. Adam, I thought the same thing. I mean, that is that is very similar. I have McKinney as one of the names that, you know, I kind of shuffled through the deck to see if they were going to still be available. It's the reason why I, I mentioned the name Grant, Grant Delpit from LSU, the safety that's going in the 20s if we were to trade back. Mm-hmm. You know, that safety position is an area of need, and you're talking about a guy that's athletic enough and, and you could pair well with your Bill Peppers, and you could have two guys on – under the age of 26, basically, uh, for the next five years in your secondary, which has shown to be one of the weaknesses of the Giants. Funnily enough, uh, (laughs) with my second-round pick, number 36 overall, I thought you were going to say the name that I picked because we must have a a man crush on on Nick Saban and all of the Alabama players, or they just (laughs) have all of the good Alabama players, because every time I kept coming back to this, uh, and realizing where the Giants have a need, I s- set up and selected Terrell Lewis, the edge rusher from Alabama. Mm. He, he was a four, maybe five-star recruit uh, when he came in. He, he is an absolute stud, can play that outside linebacker or that edge rusher, depending on how things set up uh, for them. But every time I just think about what's made the Giants successful, if we can get Yannick Ngakwe in free agency and you pair him with someone, someone like Terrell Lewis, you have – you know, the opposing quarterback is seeing nightmares at that point. So for me, 
I kind of look at it and say, let's get as much pressure as we can and turn that, you know, weakness of, of the defensive line and the sacks that we were getting into the absolute strength of the defense. Yeah, you know what? And, and there is value to that, and again, to build off of the free agency talk that we're having about you get such a valuable asset in free agency, maybe in Ngakwe, and then it's, you know, it's easy to say, well, check that box, let's move on. But the other approach that you can have, and I think it's completely reasonable because one of the other names that was that was falling in and around here, and I think McKinney, and then this would be Zach Zach Vaughn out of uh, Wisconsin, they, they were kind of rotating through in these mock scenarios of who was going to go late in the first round and who was going to be available there at the top of the second. And I think you're right. All of a sudden, you go from saying, boy, we had a really difficult time getting off the edge and getting at the quarterback. We know Marcus Golden showed some success for the Giants, I think, in free agency, too rich for our blood. And I also don't like spending on a player at his age range, had injury issues, got healthy with us. But obviously, I think he moves in free agency somewhere else. So now, like you said, you take something that was a real detriment and holding us back, and now you turn it into an incredible asset for the Giants. And oh, by the way, it helps you up front, and then it also helps out the back end of the defense where now maybe some of the learning and growing cornerbacks, DeAndre Baker, Sam Beal, Julian Love, and Peppers on the back end of it, they have a little bit, they get to have a little bit more time to do what they want to do against the wide receivers. Now the quarterback is a little bit more rushed, a little bit more hurried, some mistakes happening, and now the back end of the defense gets to capitalize. So I, I, I love that, man. I, I think you're making a strong case for how the Giants can impact their defensive unit the quickest, and then the secondary impact that it has across other units on the defensive side of the ball. The secondary impact literally and figuratively, right? Correct. Oh, you are correct, sir. That is very nice. Yeah. And, and what, what kept coming up to me and screaming, you know, screaming out in, in round two was, you know, Terrell Lewis or Julian Akwara, who has been mm -hmm. on a lot of New York Giants fans' radars. He's another edge rusher that can get to the quarterback. And it just made a lot of sense to me. You kind of take the, the fact that we couldn't really get that many sacks on the quarterback, and all of a sudden we invest heavily in free agency. We take a second-round pick and we do it. I, I just see that all of a sudden really strengthening our defense while also, may I add, improving the offensive line with the, the first overall pick. So I think you start with something like this, and we have very similar thoughts about it. You went safety. I went, I went edge rusher. But we're, we're thinking about the immediate ways to impact the team based on the de deficiencies from last year. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting about it, well, I'll be, I'll be curious to find out here because now we move into the third round. And what we'll do here first is let's talk about it as if, as we said, standing pat. So the entire third round goes by here. And the Giants right now it's pro projected that we're going to be one of, if not, the first compensatory pick that is awarded. So that means we'll be picking there in around 33, 34. Actually, I think second, excuse me, second pick there. So you're picking at 34 in the third round. I, um, I'll be curious to see here, because you just talked about addressing a need on the offensive side, then you pivot over to the defensive side in the second round. Andy Makowitz, it's, it's the third round selection. The entire round has gone by. So we, we stewed a little bit on what could have been at the top of the third round had we not made the trade for Leonard Williams in season. Now, though, we finally get up there, and Dave Gettleman has handed in that card, sir. Who is announced? for the New York football Giants, pick 34 in the third round 2020 NFL draft. So my pick here for the New York Giants is going to be a little bit of a wild card. I might surprise you with this one. Okay. In, with, this, with this pick, I'm going USC wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Interesting. He's 22 years old. He played well at USC. They had some different quarterback changes quite a bit there. He is six foot four, super athletic. And while, you know, we talk about wide receiver not necessarily being an area of need for the Giants, you know, when we, when we break it down, Golden Tate is coming off a, a mediocre year after being suspended for four games. Mm -hmm. Sterling Shepard couldn't stay healthy. Uh, for a good portion of the year. And Darius Slayton had a, an amazing first year. I think supplementing a big body guy, 6'4", possession guy that maybe can help us around the end zone, knowing that, you know, Golden Tate isn't the, isn't the tallest. Sterling Shepard, you know, isn't more than 5'10". I think someone like Michael Pittman would be a great move for the Giants to make and, and really start solidifying, you know, that top four wide receiving core. 
interestingly enough, I, I like the selection. And just to be clear here, uh, Andy and I were running our draft scenarios prior to recording, didn't have discussions about where we went or what we were thinking on it because we wanted to see just organically how it broke down for the, for the Giants from each of our perspectives. Now, at the top of this third round for myself, I, I, you know, there's, there's some availability there. There's names like possibly Hennessy, the center out of Temple. You know, if you want to continue to build that offensive line structure for the Giants, other names that are certainly going to be a possibility for them, depending on how they go in the first two rounds, a guy that I've been pretty high on and Evan Weaver linebacker out of Cal. And it's interesting, again, as you work through these mock drafts, some scenarios, you paint a picture where the Giants, you know, don't have an opportunity to get one of these players, right? They fall, maybe they, they go at the back end of the second round, or this is a player that falls in the middle of the third round, or you see them available maybe at the top of the fourth round all of a sudden, and there's some flexibility uh, for the Giants to work with. Here, not unlike my co-host Andy Makowitz, offense in the first round, defense in the second round, I come right back over to the offensive side of the ball. Great minds think alike, as they always say, I go wide receiver here for the New York football giants as well, but the player on the board, a name that's been on the tip of my tongue a lot of the time here in this off season, Chase Claypool wide receiver out of Notre Dame is the selection here for me for the giants. Just like you, not dissimilar, right? Six foot four, 229, 33 inch uh, arms. Great perspective here in terms of 40 time, four five, not a speedster, but obviously you don't expect a big body to be like that. This is a guy that showed consistency, be able to make big plays. You talk about red zone threats when Daniel Jones and the New York Giants offense gets down there. I'm on the same page with you. I think Darius Slayton showed you that we had a diamond in the rough here this past draft. And now I think it's about how do you take this offensive unit to that next level and give Daniel Jones some more weapons. I, you know, I feel the same way about Golden Tate, right? Suspension. Uh, I think that he's probably, obviously, we know by age on the back end of things. You also painted a scenario, by the way, where the Giants can get out from underneath that contract. And because of the suspension, it actually gets a little bit better for them in terms of the money that they're on the hook for. So I wouldn't be totally surprised if you don't see Golden Tate no longer on this team when you go into next year. And that makes a wide receiver need that much more glaring for the Giants. I think you want to give your young player weapons. And in Chase Claypool, you really lock in the compliment to Darius Slayton, to Sterling Shepard, and the rest of this unit. It's funny that you say that because as we were going through this, there was a name that I wanted to pull the trigger on in the second round consistently that I just couldn't bring myself because I felt like there was too much value at other positions. And that was Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver at LSU. Mm-hmm. He was kind of in that range. He's six foot three. He's a, he's a big, tall receiver. Accomplishes the same types of things that Pittman does for the offense. But uh, there's just so much value, which, which makes it incredibly frustrating now, knowing that we don't have that third-round pick from Leonard Williams. Because you could find a way to get someone like Justin, Justin Jefferson. You could look at uh, you know, the Wisconsin center, Tyler uh, Bidez. You, you know, there's all these different players that are kind of sitting in that sweet spot where we don't have that third round pick. And my, that would be pretty useful right about now. Well, and by the way, you mentioned uh, Baidez, that that's one of the, that's one of those center names that I definitely had looped in there. We talked about it a little bit earlier, that idea of the trade down scenario. So let's go ahead and just run this quick here as we come into the back end of the third, and we're going to highlight that early fourth round selection. Let's say that the New York football giants trade back there in the fourth round with the Cleveland Browns. Oddly enough, throughout my trade scenarios, now, again, this, that's my personal preference, and maybe this should have impacted me a little bit in terms of where I want to go at four overall. Number of scenarios where the Giants make that trade down and Jedrick Wills is still there at 10, I think it's probably more likely that it ends up being Wirfs or Becton that's there for them. But either way, there was options available for the Giants at 10 overall to address the offensive line in the first round. What you pick up from the Cleveland Browns is the uh, you're going to end up getting, excuse me, the 10th, 26th, and 26th pick in the third round as well as a back end seventh. So we're painting this scenario about where do the Giants want to go here. All of a sudden, the names, I, I just mentioned them before, you highlighted the one center. Hennessy at center is another guy that's going to be in there. I happen to be very high on Weaver, the linebacker out of California. All of a sudden here, you can paint the picture where coming out of the third round, the Giants end up getting Hennessy, Weaver, and Claypool. 
So now you bring in the center of the future, or 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 Biden as well. I like him as well. Uh, now you're talking about you've addressed the center of the future need. You've given yourself another weapon on the offensive side, and you've also given yourself a sideline to sideline linebacker that has enough speed and quickness to do so. Shows competency in coverage as well as in run defense so you think that this is a player that just can build on his skill set and get better and be one of the things that the Giants have certainly lacked in recent years and that's an all-around player at the linebacker position that can do everything well right no real holes in this game the other way that this can go by by the way if you want to Think back to some previous uh, episodes where we've talked about tight end, right? I have my opinions uh, about Evan Ingram. You don't know what's going to happen there. And whether or not Ingram's on the roster or not, there's also a scenario here where back end there, you're talking about late third round, maybe a name like uh, Thaddeus Moss comes off your tongue there. When you talk about a guy that I think has a skill set and body to be complementary in the passing and also blocking game for the New York football Giants. So, these are just some of those players that are getting thrown out there in and around that selection. And when the Giants back up like that, man, now you've checked off an offensive line need, a wide receiver need, and a linebacker need. If it is, say it goes that scenario, Claypool, Hennessy, pick your center there, and also Weaver. Boy, boy you, you've checked off a lot of boxes, right? At the end of the, by the end of the third round, you go, we just gave ourselves five quality players over three rounds. It's, it's why – trading back into the back end of the first round just shows to be not as impactful. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're, I don't think we're one great player away from being a playoff team. I think we're upgrades at a lot of different positions away from being a playoff team. And that's the difference is do we want, you know, one impact player or do you want to be able to spread it across and improve all different places that you mentioned? Mm -hmm. No, a hundred percent. And that's why, you know, some people say about, you said last year we traded back into the first round to get Baker. Now I may, I want to see how he does. I think he can be a valuable asset yet at the same time, when you're in the rebuild mode, you need to think about accumulating assets, not giving them away, which again, speaks to that concern we had about the trade that was made for Leonard Williams and what that cost you. Because then all of a sudden, even if you don't trade down out of the first round, you're still sitting there with the fourth overall pick in the third round, ton of flexibility to, to you know pick your poison with who you maybe want to go there. And then you get the back end third round pick as well to complement yourself and, and obviously have those four picks in the first three rounds. That being well, said, go ahead. Yeah, it would have been nice if that was the case, right? And that's, <laughs> what we're, that's what we're illustrating about our frustration. But in knowing that if the Giants decide to stand pat and don't trade back, as we talked about, the nice thing about this little run where the third-round compensatory pick is and the fourth-round pick is they're just a couple of picks away from each other. The Giants go back to picking early in the fourth round. And, Adam, I will turn it back over to you because I stole your thunder by sneakily taking a wide receiver before you. That's right. What do you have going on in the fourth round? So, you know, at the fourth round, again, this only ends up being, you know, three picks go ahead of us after. Well, there'll be some other ones that will come out there at the end of the third round in terms of compensatory. So that's the variable you have to deal with is how many other compensatory picks are handed out and what teams in what order go there. That's going to dictate who's certainly available for us. But, listen, this was just on, on my list here of players that maybe we should take a look at. Uh, you know, for me, in a lot of these versions, this guy isn't there. I stay on the offensive side of the ball, and I go ahead, and I end up backing up the selection of Claypool there at the third round because he falls and he's available. I stay on the offensive side of the ball, and this is, this is a risk one. I think we're definitely going to part ways here. But again, this goes back to really value of the pick available and the talent level. Zach Moss running back out of Utah is still on the board for me here at the top of the fourth round. And for a guy who's 5'10", 215, averaged six yards per carry, had 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns, can also catch the ball out of the backfield as well. He's looked as a workhorse power runner with quickness and receiving ability coming out of college. This to me, I know you can say it's redundancy because we have Saquon Barkley. I, I feel like as you start fixing this offensive line through the draft, you start to think about the weapons around them. And th this really is 100% a value pick about when I get on the board there, predicted to go anywhere from first to third round overall here. So it just broke down this way. He's out there for me. And I'm talking about a guy that can go ahead, 
stick his head between the tackles, grind out some of those hard power yards, and give Saquon Barkley that flexibility to work on the edges, work in the passing game, and avoid beating himself up. But I think that this was just too valuable of a pick for the Giants. In other scenarios, he's not there, and I go a different way. But I had to take him here, had to give an incredibly valuable asset on the offensive side of the ball for the New York football Giants. I understand the best available player at that point. I also can appreciate the idea of, hey, listen, drafting someone like him gives us also flexibility. You know, we don't know what's going to go on with Saquon Barkley. Um, we don't, you know, he was injured uh, for you know, with a freak injury last year and kind of didn't look the same uh, up until the last couple of games. I understand, but I, I just can't bring myself to consider a running back that early. I just think after we've kind of drafted Saquon this early and some people are starting to feel a little bit of regret drafting a running back this early, knowing that you can get so much value in the fifth, sixth, seventh round with, with, with one of these running backs. I, I un, like I said, I understand, but it's not my cup of tea. And I think that's, that's kind of what you were reiterating before. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't love it myself. You know what I mean? It's almost, it's dictated by the board and saying, you know, the value of this player again, by the time you're picking at the top of the fourth, a guy that could have gone as early as, say, the second round when it comes to running backs, even if they're graded out to be a first rounder, you assume they're going to fall. I just look at it and I go, man, I have to take them. I, I, will, I will include, before we get to your selection, that in a lot of the other scenarios, in a much higher percentage of scenarios, this selection ends up being uh, Hennessy, the center out of Temple. So you listed a couple of areas of need. I, I must be very old school and, and very you know, plain about where I want to allocate these resources. So in my mind, I've been thinking about, you know, also some of the cap casualties that are, are potentially going to be, you know, guys like Rhett Ellison, guys like Alec Ogletree. Um, you know, these are, these are guys that have big cap numbers that we may move on from. I think regardless if we do or not, um, there is a area of need that the Giants seemingly always have a need in, and that's at the linebacker position. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a couple of different names. Where I go with this and, and what comes up for me is the linebacker from Ohio State, Malik Harrison. Mm. Now, I don't know if Giant fans have watched him play very much. He's an absolute freak in terms of athleticism. He can really cover a wide range. He, he has hands. He can intercept the ball. He can be all over the field. To me, you know, one of the challenges that we had with Ogletree is that it felt like he was getting burned from, you know, by the tight ends regularly down the field, which was kind of pretty good in the box, but really – he couldn't handle some of those more athletic tight ends. Now we're looking at a guy who, uh, you know, depending how Ryan Connolly comes back, we've got some flexibility. We've got some creativity. He might be able to drop back even further in coverage if we want to bring unique blitzes with your real peppers. I just think this makes too much sense for the Giants knowing, you know, Alec Ogletree is probably going to be a cap casualty. He's an absolute freak of nature and can really move all over the field. And it unlocks some of the capabilities of other players on that defense. Yeah, and again, I think that it's, it's a nice structure. We talked about pivoting back and forth between offense and defense, and that really just breaks down because of the positional needs that this team has. I like it. Like you said, um, you know, one of the guys that, I, that I'm still pretty high on, and I think that he has a skill set that the Giants can utilize, is Lorenzo Carter. Now, I think that he's going to be better suited to be getting downhill and impacting maybe getting shifted inside and then working on the interior for the linebacking core. So then you talk about another guy with versatility that allows secondary flexibility and then also helps with some of the existing, you also mentioned Ryan Connolly there, right? He comes back. How do all of these pieces work together? Uh, and this goes back to, I, I think, when Joe Judge and talking about putting players in position to excel at what they're good at and avoiding them being in bad positions to do things that they are not strong at. And what I glean from that is Joe Judge and the Giants are going to be more concerned about having guys that fill needs in specific scenarios than they are necessarily about maybe getting a jack-of-all-trades. Because I can see them, especially on the defensive side of the ball, rotating a lot of bodies, right? Down, down and distance being dictating uh, you know, what they want to do there and saying, okay, we want the coverage linebacker in here. It's early downs. We want to try to stuff that run. Let's get our big bodies inside. And, and I think when you, when you take that approach to it, 
a selection like that from you makes a ton of sense because it's complementary and filling needs that the Giants haven't had when you talk about Alec Ogletree. And now all of a sudden, we keep saying this, right, that linebacker unit, I feel like in the front end of this defense, you start to bring in some pieces there, and now it starts to loosen up and create opportunities for the secondary to have success and get better by, you know, just by being on the field with a higher level of talent up in front of them. I mean, think about how dramatically different the defense would be and how you'd feel if we added Yannick Ngakwe on the edge, we got Terrell <laughs> Lewis on the edge so that we're getting crazy pressure, and we bring in a guy like Malik Harrison at the linebacker position that's super athletic. I haven't even mentioned cornerback yet, and already you feel way more comfortable knowing that the, the amount of pressure that we're going to get and the sacks that will result from it will inherently make our secondary better. And, again, just if we talk about how what you've been thinking, I've been thinking, where the Giants are going to want to go here, just to kind of maybe to dovetail off of you and say, linebacker was on my mind because my fifth round, we're going to end up posting our entire draft out for you on social media so you can see how the rest of the draft played out for us. Uh, and I think what we'll end up doing, too, is at our selection, we'll kind of highlight maybe that secondary person that was available there that we were kind of in between. But my fifth round pick ends up being – Jacob Phillips out of LSU, that linebacker name that I, I mentioned at a turn there a bit before. But so, you know, along the same lines as you, I saw a talent level there that I had to take in the fourth. But that very next selection, I'm looking at the linebacking core. I'm looking at this defense and saying, how do I bring in more talent and versatility for this, uh, for this unit to be able to utilize in next year's uh, defense? Yeah, and, and, you know, even though we're not really going into depth on the fifth round, uh, you mentioned an area of need before, which is the center position. Um, I looked at the center position and Cesar Ruiz from the University of Michigan is kind of mm -hmm. sitting there in that in that fifth round range. I think that makes a ton of sense for the Giants. And, you know, be between you and I, Adam, if we walk away with an off an impact offensive tackle, a few edge rushers, a linebacker and a center in the first four or five picks, I, I mean, I'd I would be doing cartwheels. Yeah, and I think depending on how who you who's you look at here, I'm, again, I'm gonna keep I'll keep beating this drum. I didn't waver on the selection, uh, but the reality being, I know that Zach Moss is gonna be the the big question mark on my big board when you take a look over it. And by the way, I don't think he's gonna probably be there at that selection. Ultimately, though, when you go through both of our boards, like you said, so many holes to fill. But if you walked out of the draft saying. You look, down, you look down my lineup and you say the Giants get an offensive tackle when Will's in the first round. McKinney is there at safety in the second round. Claypool is there for us as an offensive weapon in the third. And then, again, probably the question mark and maybe more realistically would be me saying I end up plugging in Matt Hennessy at center at the fourth, right? Run down your four once again just to recap for us, and you'll see how the Giants have filled these needs in either one of our scenarios. They've really plugged in a lot of holes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I went Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle of Georgia, as we talked about before, big body inside position need. Terrell Lewis is the outside linebacker edge rusher uh, from Alabama. He, he's just an absolute stud. You know, I went Michael Pittman, the wide receiver from USC, 6'4", long frame, same idea, same thought process as Adam, kind of in that third round pick. And then fourth round, Malik Harrison, the, the the athletic linebacker to, to get us a little bit more ranging and get us more athleticism and pressure. Um, you know, when we go from someone like Alec Ogletree and, and, and some of the other guys that were on the defense last year, and we start talking about, you know, crazy edge rushers and athletic linebackers, it, it really starts to make this team take a new shape. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is because we were talking about the idea of maybe getting Gakwe in there in free agency, obviously, Bradbury being maybe a cornerback that comes in. So, you know, you think about it in totality, and that's how we'll post this up. This is what the two names were taken in free agency. Other pieces may come along. Uh, but then here's our draft. The only thing I probably would say is, and maybe worth flip-flopping or taking a look at, is going to be that fourth to fifth round selection. Because we're both on the same page when we work our way through those first three rounds. And then I think it's that flip-flop of me saying, again, if there's an offensive talent like Moss, great. But ultimately, the more likely option is going to be a center at that time. And I would probably go center there and then take my linebacker in the fifth. And it basically just sounds like you, you would flip-flop that and go an extra player on defense. Do you, what did you see if you had you know, the discrepancy between talent level at linebacker? Did you feel like the value you got there at the fourth pick was substantially higher than maybe where you'd be sitting at the fifth round. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what, what I was looking at, Adam. I, I, 
I looked at the center position and I think that there's probably six or seven different centers in this draft that, that would be pretty good. I, I felt like I could wait on, on Ruiz a little bit and not have to jump the gun on, you know, like the, the center from Temple that you talked about or, um, you know, the center from Wisconsin. I just think that, you know, when you start to get to some of the linebackers that sit in that, uh, you know, 100 and to 125 range, it starts to get a little bit thinner at that point. So I thought better of myself and just said, let's secure the linebacker position a little bit earlier, knowing that uh, that's going to be an area that people are going to focus on with less people interested in potentially selecting a center. Yeah, no, no, it, make, it makes sense. Uh, it's, just, it's always interesting, right? I mean, I think we were, we were similar to one another here. It's personal preference when you look over some of these players and what you think they're going to be able to do for the Giants. Uh, these are going to both go up. We'll highlight who we take in free agency. We'll have our side-by-side, round-by-round draft selections all the way through the full seven-round mock draft. So remember, the Giants have three seventh-round picks, and in this scenario, no trades are on the table for the Giants. So you're going to see us just work all the way through it. And then I think what we'll probably maybe even do, I'll take a look at where the Giants roster currently stands, and we can start to talk about on social media a little bit, or maybe on the next episode, about how these draft picks plug in when you look at the roster, right? Where does the depth chart start to stand for us? And how does that look for the Giants in terms of having quality players and maybe trying to get yourself a little bit deeper across the board on both offense and defense? I think, I think what I can safely say, and I'm sure you did too, as we go through this, it makes me very excited for, for next year's team. I think we knew that we were just gonna, we were going to be a couple years away from, from being competitive and grooming Daniel Jones. He's moved uh, along faster than I anticipated and looks like he could be that you know, top 15 franchise guy that everybody's searching for. So once you get that locked and loaded and we start having a high draft pick and looking to plug a place like offensive tackle, it really makes me excited to see how this team could round out when we start filling those other areas of need. So yeah, the depth chart's going to be critical when we look at this, but I'm already looking at these names, shaking my head saying, you know, whatever this team looks like is a better representation of the Giants than what last year was. Yeah, and certainly from the way the, the draft goes for both of us and these couple of acquisitions, you're talking about having more youth, more athleticism on both sides of the ball. And obviously in today's NFL, that's what's uh, critical for you to be able to have success. So that's going to do it for Monday Mock Draft, the edition 1.0 for the One Giant Podcast. You can go ahead and head over to social media and check out our rundowns of our draft selections. Behind this, what we're, what we're going to do throughout the rest of this week, we'll still have some other regular episodes, but we're going to also be running a couple of specials where we talk about some of these big selections. You can go ahead and check out our episodes. They're going to be listed as player profiles, so I'll go ahead and highlight maybe Wills at the top of the draft and try to go a little bit deeper not only on his skill set, but just him as a player and what his background is as he heads into the draft. Andy's going to do the same on some of his key selections. So what we're looking to do is not only provide you with some of our scenarios of where we think this draft and free agency can go, but also just give you a little bit more depth of knowledge on some of these players coming into this draft. Because as Andy and I, I think you'll readily admit as well, part of doing this has been getting educated on a lot of these players, right? Getting educated on their skill sets and then trying to identify where those values match up for our needs. It's been exciting and fun. As we talked about doing these mock drafts, it's also been a little bit, you know, put yourself on your head and spin kind of thing because you get lost in the shuffle of this where I start going, well, I ran the first seven, seven scenarios, but I think the eighth scenario for this mock draft is where I'm really going to start to identify what makes the most sense for the Giants. Yeah, and it is interesting as you go through this, uh, you know, my last thought about this is you know that, that something like linebacker, for instance, is an area of need for Giants, but like you said, there's hundreds and hundreds of linebackers in college, and not all of them fit the description of what the Giants need. The Giants have someone like Alec Ogletree who – you know, like we said, it's not as strong in coverage, but can really come up into the box and, and, and make some great tackles. So, it, you know, clearly if we're looking to make a change, we need someone that's different from that. You can't just pick the guy that's like within five of where he may show up on a draft board and hope that he fits the system that Joe Judge wants to instill. So I found that fascinating, you know, even going through this for the first four or five rounds. 
You better believe it, man. That's going to do it for the One Giant Podcast and our Monday mock draft. We'll be coming back in on Wednesday with a full episode. Hopefully, if we get some responses and reactions on social media, we can defend some things. I'm already preparing the Zach Moss selection. I know it's coming, so don't worry. You know what I mean? I'm going to do my best when I post it on social media. Really highlight what occurred there value people it fell to me i had to make that move Uh, but beyond that we'll we'll do a little bit of reaction from anything that questions people may have again we'll highlight some player profiles and then we'll start to walk down some of these other rumors that are out there Uh, we highlighted how there's some new england patriot connections for joe judge we'll walk down those in a little bit more depth and think about what it would mean in free agency, not only from a fit perspective, but also from a cost perspective. As we continue to highlight here, the Giants are going to have a ton of cap room. They're not going to spend all of it. So what's the what's the best way that they utilize that, get the most complimentary pieces into this system to combine with draft selections and put a quality team out there on the field come 2020? On behalf of uh, Andy Mackwitz and myself, thank you for joining us for this special mock draft edition. We will, of course, be talking to you soon. And as always, go Big Blue. There he is.